the Israelites' union to each other is forged through its pledging a loyalty there to the God of Israel, to his Torah, and to each other. This covenant, prior to entering the Holy Land at Sinai, reminds us that the Jewish people's existence as a nation is not an independent end, but rather a means to a destined covenantal calling. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 213, The Two Mountains of God. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. We look once again to the memoir of Rabbi Shlomo Goren, chief rabbi of the IDF and later of the State of Israel, who describes how he had once been given a shofar by a man who had dreamed of it being blown on Mount Sinai. This had seemed an unrealistic expectation, but then, after the Sinai Desert was temporarily captured by Israel in 1956, Rabbi Goren decided to journey to the site that many believe to be that mountain. He writes, quote, When Israel captured Sinai in the war, I said to myself that the time had come to fulfill the chauffeur maker's dream. Incidentally, the man's son carried on the family business. Now he makes and sells chauffeurs. I took the chauffeur and began making my way toward Jabel Musa so that I could climb Mount Sinai. In the meantime, I received an order from the head of the IDF personnel department not to climb Mount Sinai. I decided to ignore that order, although it did delay me a bit, because at first I thought it also came from the chief of staff. By that time, Rechavam Ze'evi, who was a brigade commander back then, had gone and announced that he was going to climb Mount Sinai. I decided that I was going to climb the mountain too, and I would blow the shofar. I drove a whole night and rested at the monastery, and shortly before dawn began to climb the mountain with three other men. There are 3,300 steps ascending to the mountaintop. It was quite difficult for me, but I made it. By the time I got to the top, I was pulling myself up on my hands and knees, and then I blew the shofar. There, I said, I have fulfilled the dream. To me, this was a sign that the dream was true, a kind of prophecy that we would capture Mount Sinai. I felt a deep and overwhelming sense of being part of history. This was the second time in history that the shofar was blown on Mount Sinai. End quote. Here, of course, Rabbi Goran refers to the voice of the shofar sounded during the Sinai revelation. But of course, as Rabbi Goran well knew, what ultimately set Sinai apart was not the sounding of the ram's horn, but rather God's words that were uttered there, the Ten Commandments, the giving of the Torah. Rabbi Goran continues by describing his attempt to write a Torah scroll, or Sefer Torah, at that site. Quote, That morning, I made a commitment to myself to write a Sefer Torah on Mount Sinai. I told myself that if we are blessed with being able to be here in the place where the Torah was given, and where, according to tradition, Moses wrote 12 Sefer Torah, I too wanted to be like Moses and write a Sefer Torah. It usually takes a whole year to write a Sefer Torah, and I wanted to write at least the beginning of the Sefer and the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai and then write all the rest somewhere else and come back to the mountain to complete the last words of the Sefer as customary, end quote. As Rabbi Goran's book further notes, Israel withdrew from the Sinai, and it was only after 1967 that Rabbi Goran returned to that site. But Sinai, as we also know, is one of two mountains that is central to Jewish history, and it is when we compare the two and consider what they embody that we can truly appreciate the essence of Judaism and the Jewish vision for history itself. Psalm 68 begins by describing the fearsomeness of the Almighty as made manifest in the history of Israel. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad, let them rejoice before God, yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God, sing praises to his name, extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Ka, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. 
God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. O God, when thou wentest forth before thy people, when thou didst march through the wilderness, Selah, the earth shook, the heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. This, of course, is a description of the Sinai revelation. The earth and heavens shook as God descended on Sinai, and the Almighty spoke to his people. It is the greatest moment of communal national revelation in the history of the world. Nothing can compare. The singular nature of this episode is emphasized by Deuteronomy as central to Jewish memory, identity, and faith. There we are commanded, only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons, especially the day when thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Chorev, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. And ye came near and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven, with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. And the Lord spoke unto you out of the midst of the fire. Ye heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude, only ye heard a voice. And he declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, ten sayings, and he wrote them upon two tablets of stone. The centrality of the revelation of Sinai lies at the heart of the Judaic insistence on the continuing normative nature of the Torah, the Torah that binds us as a people. Without Sinai, there is no Judaism. And yet, even as this mountain in the midst of the desert is the location of this supreme revelational moment, it is not toward Sinai that Israel will ultimately pray. The Sinai desert is not in the portion of the Middle East to which Israel's destiny is forever bound. And it is not at Sinai that the sacred presence of God remains for eternity. Rather, Israel's link to the Holy Land and to the presence of God that is revealed there is expressed most fully in Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem most fully on Mount Moriah. Thus the psalm goes on to say, Why leap ye, ye high hills? This is the hill which God desireth to dwell in, yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. The chariots of God are twenty thousand, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. Note the phrases here. On the one hand, there is a mountain that is a parallel to Sinai, which is the site of the dwelling place of the divine. That, of course, is the Temple Mount. But in this, the Temple Mount also differs from Sinai. For in the desert, God's presence was made manifest. And then it arose and left that site. The Almighty journeyed on with Israel as Israel itself sojourned further. But this very same psalm stresses that the Temple Mount is different. No matter what happens, God will never leave the Temple Mount. This is the hill which God desireth to dwell in, yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. Thus, the chosenness of Israel is captured by the combination of these two mountains, whose symbolism must be taken together in tandem, Sinai and the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount, the mountain chosen forever and the land that is chosen forever, is the central expression of the particularistic, spiritual, and national link of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. This was true when David sanctified Jerusalem, and it is true today. What the current Israeli ambassador to Britain, Tzipi Chotoveli, once said, remains true. Ein Tzionut below Tzion, ein Tzion beli Yerushalayim, ein Yerushalayim beli Harabayit. There is no Zionism without Zion, no Zion without Jerusalem, no Jerusalem without the Temple Mount. Mount Moriah in Jerusalem embodies the Jewish bond to the Holy Land. At the same time, Israel, according to the Bible, came into being in Egypt and at Sinai before entering the Holy Land. Sinai, which is outside the land and where Israel's enduring national covenant was forged, reminds us how Israel's coming into being is so noticeably different from the origins of other nations. Michael Wishagrod put it this way, quote, 
Nowhere else in the memory of peoples is entry into the land remembered. A people is born out of a soil which is its mother. The people does not predate the land. End quote. That is true for most nations. But Israel becomes a nation through the covenant at Sinai. The Israelites' union to each other is forged through its pledging a loyalty there to the God of Israel, to his Torah, and to each other. This covenant, prior to entering the Holy Land at Sinai, reminds us that the Jewish people's existence as a nation is not an independent end, but rather a means to a destined covenantal calling. Moreover, it reminds us that the Jewish people exist not only for itself, but for the unfolding of God's plan on earth, so that all the families of the earth will be blessed. The chosen people is linked to the land, but it must never forget its covenantal calling. It is a nation with a unique metaphysical relationship with God and whose members bear responsibility toward one another. But Israel's chosenness is also bound up with the future of the world. The wonder of Rabbi Goran's memoir is that he writes both as one endowed with a profound appreciation of the Torah given at Sinai and as one who was witness to the miracles of our age which played out on Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. Thus it was that during the Six-Day War, Rabbi Goran was serving in the Sinai Desert, traveling as chief rabbi of the IDF, and carrying a Torah scroll when his vehicle was hit. Rabbi Goran writes, quote, At four o'clock in the afternoon, the moment the troop carrier in which I was riding crossed the border, an artillery shell fell on us. We suffered a direct hit and everyone in the troop carrier was injured except me. A piece of shrapnel struck the driver in the neck and he began to bleed. I took out my pocket handkerchief and tied it around his neck. I did not even have a helmet to protect me. The shofar I had brought with me was burnt, as was my hat. We were about 50 yards from the Ali Muntar position, and the Egyptians were firing at us the whole time. I ran into the field and dragged the driver with me. I tied his neck tight and feared that he would die. A few minutes later, an ambulance came to take the wounded to the hospital. I told the ambulance personnel that I was staying in the field. There was a combat engineer with us who was wounded and was being evacuated, and I asked him to throw me his helmet. Thus, I was no longer in the carrier and was alone in the field with the safer Torah. One side of the field was a swath of ripe grain, and the other side was a field of thorns. The Egyptians fired at us incessantly, and fires broke out in the field. I was afraid for the safer Torah and for my life. I dug a deep depression in the ground so that I could protect my head, and a deeper depression under my chest so that I could hold onto the safer Torah and lean on it. I was sure I would not get out of there alive, and I thought that if I reached the next world, I would be coming with a safer Torah in my arms. End quote. Rabbi Goran survived, and soon after this, he stood in the old city of Jerusalem, atop the Temple Mount. In the end of days, in a redeemed world, the Torah of Sinai and the impact on history that it represents will be fully joined with Mount Moriah. For as Isaiah foretells, there will come a time when the world will recognize the miraculous tale of the chosen people, find the God of Abraham in the story of a mountain in the midst of a Jewish sacred city, and come there, and then the prophetic verse will be fulfilled that from Zion shall go forth the Torah and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, wishing you a joyous Purim and looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.